the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I ask you this question today. Do your actions prove you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Your level of involvement, your place of ministry. You see, these soldiers, the thing that made them great, David wasn't even asking. He was just talking out loud. But they were attentive to his needs, and they lived to serve, to honor the needs of the king. Good evening, I'm Kyle Welch, and welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up His name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. I want to speak to you on this subject, David's Mighty Men. I want to talk to you about being mighty with God. Our story today centers not necessarily on David, all right? There's a lot of people that were used mightily of God. Nehemiah, God used him to rebuild the ancient walls of Jerusalem. How cool would that have been to have been back in that day? He used Joshua to take the mantle of leadership from Moses, and Joshua led one million Jews into the promised land. That would have been amazing to see. The Bible is full of stories of of men that God used mightily. The Apostle Paul went on four missionary journeys, wrote half of the New Testament. David slew Goliath. David wrote most of the book of Psalms. But I don't want to necessarily look at David as I want to look at the men who surrounded David. I want you to look at verse 3, 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 3. This is where David becomes the king. It says, verse 3, when all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, he made a compact with them before the Lord. They anointed David king over Israel as the Lord had promised through the prophet Samuel. Now I want you to write this down. A king always has an army. If you're a king, uh, you have an army. So verse 3, David becomes king. So David now commands the army. And the first order of business, you know, when you become king, you have a checklist of things you want to do. The very first thing that he wanted to check off his box was to recapture the city of Jerusalem that was in enemy's hands. So look at verse four and five, first order of business, David and all of the Israelites, they marched to what city? To Jerusalem. Now look at verse five. They said to David, these are the Jebusites, and they start talking smack, okay? They're just talking. 
They said to David, you will not get in here. I don't care if you're king. I don't care who appointed you king. I don't care about your army. You're not getting in here. Where the Jebusites? Nevertheless, David, here it is, he captures the fortress of Zion, which is Jerusalem, the city of what? The city of David. Now, the only way you can capture a city uh, is that if you have an army. So he's got an army. But what I want you to know in our study today, David is king. He's got an army. But underneath the umbrella of the army, he's got an elite force, special forces. And I want you to write this down. It's a group of 30 men. This is an elite fighting force, special elite unit called David's mighty men. They're always referred to as the 30. Everybody say the 30. Now I want to show you the 30. If you take your Bible and uh, go over to verse 26, you'll see a whole list of the 30 mighty men. Now if you look at those names, they're all very difficult to pronounce. Uh, The easiest is all the way down, go down to verse 38. There's a guy down there named Joel. Everybody say Joel. We can all say Joel. Joel is a brother of Nathan. Those two names, I got those two names. The rest of them are all very difficult. The worst name, go all the way back up to verse 26. The mighty men were Azahel, the brother of Joab, and Elhanan, the son of Dodo. How would you like to be the son of Dodo? Okay, that's the worst name. I've counted all these names. There's actually 46. I can't figure that out. They're called the 30, the 30 mighty men. But there's 46 names. So I don't know why that is. I'm the preacher. I know, but there's some things in the Bible I don't understand. And uh, I just want you to know, maybe it's an injured reserve list. So if you get hurt, they they, they bump you off. They put one of those, they, they move them up to the 30, okay? Maybe they can't count. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to hurt people's feelings. Oh, we got 30. Oh, you want in? Oh, okay, we got 30. You can, you can sit in on the meeting, okay? Sit, you can, we'll put you in the list, but we've only got 30. All I want you to note that in the Bible, uh, you've got David, the king. He's got a big army. Inside that army, he's got this elite force called the 30 mighty men. And then underneath the 30, write this down, there are three. You've got three guys that are called the three mighty men. And the three are the three of the best soldiers on this planet. And what this whole text is talking about are the exploits of the 30 and of the three. And what I've done is I've sat down and read through this many, many times. And I think that you and I can learn something about being mighty with God as we look at these men in this text. So my first point is write this down. One of the reasons that made these guys great was that they realized that everything they did, that they were doing it for the king. There's something about when you realize that what you're doing, you're doing for the king. Oh, there's a great motivating factor there. I want you to look at verse 10. Go back to verse 10. Uh, These were the chiefs of David's mighty men. They, say they, They. that's the mighty men, they together with all of Israel gave his, David, his kingship strong what? Support. They worked every day on behalf of the king as the Lord to extend his kingship over the entire land as the Lord had promised. Now, 
as you go through this, you will discover that these men did some incredible things. We're going to look at a couple of them. They served mightily. They sacrificed everything. They fought battles and wars. They were committed. They were diligent. They were faithful. No one questioned their loyalty. No one had to beg them to show up. No one had to beg them to get involved. No one had to beg them to babysit. These were David's mighty men. And the reason they were mighty, one of the reasons, is because they knew that David was the anointed king and they did everything they could do to serve this anointed king. Now I want you to know that that is a New Testament principle. That's an Old Testament story, but that's a New Testament principle. Jesus answered a question in Matthew 25. I'll put these words on the screen. The righteous will answer him, Lord... When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? When were you ever thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When did we ever see you a stranger and invite you in? Why do you keep saying things like that, Lord? And, and, and when did you ever need clothes and we clothed you? We don't remember that. And when, did, when, did we, when were you ever sick? Lord, we don't ever, we don't ever remember you ever getting sick. So how can you say we took care of you when you were sick and and when you were in prison, Lord, we don't, we don't ever remember you being in prison. So how can you say that we visited you in prison? Well, the king, Jesus, said, I tell you the what? The truth. That whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it unto me. And all that is telling us is that whenever we work, whenever we serve, whenever we help, whenever you volunteer, whenever you clothe someone, even if you offer up just a cup of cold water in his name, if you hold the door for someone, if you give directions to someone, if you help feed the poor, you're actually doing that gesture as though you were doing it to Jesus. You're actually serving Jesus. Oh, that helps me because I meet people all the time. I just don't know if I want to help them. I meet some people, they're just strange or they're difficult. Some people are obnoxious. You ever met anyone obnoxious? I think, Lord, I'm supposed to help that? I'm supposed to help them? And, and the Bible teaches that when I'm helping this person, I'm actually, it's though I'm serving Jesus. So then I can look past the obnoxiousness. I don't even know if that's a word. I, I can look past the difficultness of working with this person. And I just serve this person because I know I'm serving Jesus, can all God's people say. Number two, write this down. These men desired to stand when everyone else was leaving. Everyone else was quitting. But these guys would not quit. I'm going to show you a couple stories here. Look at verse 12 in your Bible. Next to him was Eleazar. Everybody say Eleazar. He was the son of Dodai, the Ahoite. One of the what? He's one of the three mighty men. What makes him him so mighty? Well, you're going to find out. He was with David in the past where the Philistines gathered for what? For battle. At a place where there was a field full of barley. They're in the middle of a barley field. And the Bible says that the troops fled from the Philistines. Uh Uh-oh. That's bad news. Look at verse 14. However, they, who? The three mighty men, Eleazar and David, they took their stand in the middle of the field, and they defended it and struck the Philistines down 
And the Lord brought about a great battle that day, victory that day. Now, here's what happened. Now, I, I don't know if this happened, but I, I think they're in a tent and they're playing cards with the king, David and the three, three mighty men. And I know, I know that David's winning because you always let the king win, okay? Uh, so David's winning. A guy comes running in, puts his head inside the tent, says, David, David, the Philistines are coming. The Philistines are coming. And David says, get the army ready. Get the, get the troops together. And the guy says, sir, I don't know how to tell you this. But the troops have all left. What? The troops have all left. What do you mean they left? They left. They left. They re- they're running for their lives. And David, David, I, the reason I've come in here is to tell you that you need to run for your life. And David says, I'm not running. I am the Pope of these slopes. I'm staying right here. And Eleazar says, David, you're going to stay and fight? David says, I'm not going anywhere. And Eleazar says, David, if you're going to fight, I'm going to fight. Look at verse 14 again. It says, they took their stand. And where were they? In the middle. They were completely surrounded by Philistines. And yet they defended it and struck the Philistines down. You see, the secret to David's men, the reason why they're great is because when everybody left, they stayed. Does that make sense to you? In the church, our biggest need, our biggest need is not getting people plugged into ministry. We do that with our eyes closed. We're really good at getting volunteers. Our biggest problem is once someone does sign up, after a few weeks or a few months, is keeping them from quitting. That's our biggest problem. If we ever find a volunteer, we go, thank you, Jesus. We finally got a volunteer. Praise God. And all of a sudden, for no reason at all, they quit. They got upset. They get mad. They got their feelings hurt. They got burned out. No one appreciated them. No one said thank you. They lost their motivation. They forgot that the reason why they're doing what they're doing was because they're serving the king. Everybody quits. And Jesus said these words in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. He said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I want you to know we see that lived out every week in the life of this church. Someone who gets involved, something happens, and they just quit. We see people come down this aisle and give their life to Jesus and say, I'm going to serve Jesus the rest of my life. And three months later, they run, they run right back in, into a life of sin. And I'm telling you, if you want to be great with God, you make a vow before God, a commitment before God, you live that commitment out. You sign up for a job to serve, don't quit for any reason. Just, you're, you're the guy that God's called, you're the woman that God's called to be at that post, be at that post, and don't quit. That's what made these guys uh, uh, mighty. Number three, write this down. Their actions prove their love. Now, this is the best part of the whole sermon right here. Look at verse 15. Now, here's another story. This is, my, this is like my favorite story of the, of the three mighty men. This is my best story. Verse 15, what's the first word? Three. Of the 30 chiefs came down to David to a rock at the cave. Everybody say cave. David's in a cave, the cave of Adullam. Meanwhile, there was a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley. So if you look up here, it's like I'm David. I'm in a cave. I can't leave because if I come to the mouth of the cave, in the valley before the cave are the Philistines. Do you see that? 
Now, verse 16 says, at that time that David was in the stronghold, that David was in the cave, the rest of the Philistine garrison, the rest of the army was where? Where was the rest of the army? They're back over in Bethlehem. So it's in that setting. David's in a cave. He's stuck. You've got the Philistine army. The rest of the garrison is back in Bethlehem. It's in that setting that David got a little thirsty. Because sometimes when you have the enemy's kings trapped in a cave, you don't want to go in there necessarily. You'll just camp right out front and starve him to death and thirst him to death. And it's in that setting that David gets a little thirsty. And the next verse says, verse 17, that David longed. Oh, he needed some water. And he says, and it's not a commandment, he's just kind of thinking out loud. Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from that well near the gate over there in Bethlehem. He says to his guys, guys, you remember that well over there in Bethlehem? You remember how cold that water tasted? How clean that water tasted? If I, if I ever get out of this cave, the first thing I'm doing, I'm going to that well outside of Bethlehem. I'm going to drink, drink all day long at that well. It's not a command. He's just talking out loud, thinking out loud. And that's why these guys were great, because look at this next verse, verse 18. So the three, and I will tell you their names. You want to know the names of these three guys? I'll tell you their names. It's Bruce Willis of Die Hard. (laughs) Tom Cruise of Mission Impossible. And Jack Bauer of 24. Notice what these guys did. These three guys, they broke through the Philistine lines. They They got over there that well. In Bethlehem, they had to get through the Philistine garrison. They drew some of the water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. They had to get back around through the garrison army again. They had to come back to the valley, get through all these soldiers. And they went back inside that cave and they gave that water to David. And when I read that story, I only have one conclusion. Wow, these guys must love David to be willing to do all that. I ask you this question today. Do your actions prove You love the Lord Jesus Christ. Your level of involvement, your place of ministry, your level of commitment, the amount of time that you spend volunteering around the church, your level of giving, your attitude and your actions of service, do they prove your love for the Lord? You see, these soldiers, the thing that made them great, it it wasn't, David wasn't even asking, he was just talking out loud, but they were attentive to his needs. And they lived to serve, to honor the needs of the king. Three times in John 21, Jesus asked the disciples, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He kept asking three times, do you love me? And all three times, Peter said, same thing. Yes, Lord, we love you. Yes, Lord, we love you. Yes, Lord, we love you. Every time Jesus said, do you love me? Yes, Lord, we love you. Jesus answered every time he said, yes, Lord, we love you. Jesus said, well, then feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. In other words, you say you love me. Do your actions prove that you love me? Today, 
by your level of participation, the way you participated in worship, if someone had looked over at you and seen at what time you got here, and they'd seen how you worshiped, and how you sang, and how you were focused on the Lord, could someone have drawn the conclusion, oh, this guy must really love the Lord? Can someone tell by your level of involvement, by the offering that you're about to give, by your level of service, by your actions, can people tell that you love the Lord? These guys were willing to risk everything for the king. Can you say amen? Amen. Now look at verse 18 as we close. Don't, don't leave me. Don't lose me. Now some, some people have a hard time understanding this. It, it kind of offends them. That the three broke through the Philistine lines. They drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. They got back through the garrison army, back through the valley, the soldiers there, and they carried that water back into David who was inside that cave. But the Bible says that David refused to do what? He refused to drink it. And instead, a lot of people struggle with this, he poured out. Now notice it does not say he just poured it out on the ground. It says that he poured it out to who? Before the Lord, because it might have been the only thing he had at that time that was of worth and value. I mean, when you're starving or thirsting to death and someone brought you water and it's all you have, are you going to drink it or are you going to offer that, even that to the Lord? He offered it to the Lord. Now look at verse 19. Here's this point. David says, God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives because they risked their lives to bring it back? David would not drink it. Now, don't get hung up on what David did. This story is about the men around David because look at the next line. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. The Holy Spirit is drawing attention here to to the exploits of the three mighty men that were willing to risk their lives for the king. I want to ask you this question. Are you willing to risk your life for Jesus? Are you really willing to do that? I think more and more in our society, that question is going to be asked. Jesus said these words in Matthew 16, verse 24, He said, if anybody wants to follow me, those of you that want to be a Christian, uh, you must be willing to deny yourself and take up your what? So when Jesus says, if anyone, if you want to follow after me, that's why it's ridiculous. It's silly when someone comes forward and says, I want to be a Christian. And three months later, we don't even know where they are. Don't you realize that when you made a commitment to follow Christ, that you were giving everything that you have, your your whole body, your time, your talent, your treasure, it all belongs to God. Our culture is becoming more and more anti-God and anti-Christian. There's coming a point in this culture where at work, at home, at school, you're going to have to decide, are you willing to stand for Jesus Christ? If you were moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight, we want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God, and prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. 
So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. As Christians, we are often faced with trials, sorrows, and struggles of many kinds. Jesus never promised we would be free from tribulation once we become believers. However, God does show us through the wisdom of His Word how to overcome and even rejoice in the difficult times we are experiencing. Some of the most essential keys to a joyful Christian walk are found in the small New Testament book written by James, the brother of Jesus. In his book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, Pastor Dudley Rutherford takes you through a study of the book of James and shares the spiritual disciplines necessary to help you persevere as a believer, even during the most challenging times in your life. Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Call us right now so we can get this powerful resource into your hands. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. You will learn the powerful tools to encourage you in your faith, how to extend Jesus' love to others, and walk with Him daily with a smile. Our number again is 888-818-4777. And when you call, ask for your personal copy of Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.